Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path After Party 55. We're back. Nice. You're back. We nice. are here. And man, has it been a wild three episodes. Back to yeah. our regularly scheduled story. Yes. After only three episodes again. So that, that was just a blip. Yeah. <laughs> yep, it was just a blip. Uh, so we're going to be covering episodes... 163, 164, and 165. Affectionately called the return to form. Yes. Is it? Is that what we're affectionately I like to call him the slave it? trench arc. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's the beginning. I mean, it's the beginning yes. to the meat of book five, which is <laughs> named the slave trenches of Hakatep. Do you think? So, you know. My brain started kind of filling that in when Heather's like, yeah, it's into the meat. And then there's a pause like, meat cute? Was there a meat cute that happened here? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. The meat cute with Tepnaju. Oh my! Oh, <laughs> he's taken. That is That's true. We learned that. Anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. That so, is starting true. off in episode one sixty three, we returned to the doorkeepers who had previously set off in their magic all terrain boat. It was uh, cool. We we picked we're up on with a boat, us y'all. making our journey up the. River? I was say Crook River. Was it Crook River? It was the Crook. Hey, I was right. Look at me. Uh, so making our way up the Crook River, um, getting to see what basically is there once you get past like Wati and uh, on and everything, which is pretty interesting. A lot yeah. of farming villages, a, what, a really big fortress city. I was going to say a pack with its like yeah. giant fortress setup, which was the, pretty awesome. some really cool glamping. We did. We did do some glamping when with Hollis introducing the uh, the Mage's Magnificent Mansion, the Dwarven cities out that way. So, so we we More even Desert mentioned Dwarf. we did even mention in the episode that like it felt like Rick, you were pushing us to to stop and talk to people and gather information. What did we did we miss any information that we could have gotten? I mean, I got some of it across with the uh, the lizard folk there at the end uh the book kind of like hand waves over a lot of the travel there mm-hmm. like it, it basically brings up like at this high of a level you'll probably have a variety of magic that you know your cleric can cast anyway where everyone basically can fly simultaneously like 64 miles per hour or something like that it's ridiculous <laughs> so specifically no uh it does imply that a lot of these creatures are pretty much legendary because they've been here for like six thousand years so like the right. flying electricity bird and all the rest of that uh, did enjoy having opportunity to actually show some more of Osirian, where it's not just this monolithic view people have of the nation and the society there, where it's just, oh yeah, it's it's a bunch of desert and nonstop desert. There's other cities and a variety of people, like mm. there's a knoll population down here, and there's all these amazing dwarves working down there. Who really didn't want us to stop. They were like, please no. keep going. Otherwise, no. otherwise it would have been tempting to just like see what Rick would have come up with if we had just been like We'll stop. Yeah, we'll but Masika has been there. Yeah, but we were getting some serious side eye. And some of it's also the fact that just wanted to make sure you guys had everything you needed because there's kind of no stopping for shopping for the rest of this adventure path. I mean, without teleporting. Well, even teleporting, you'd have to like... We don't really have the time, I think, is what it is. You'd have to take out a day to sell off everything. You couldn't upgrade anything once you teleported. Right, yeah. Yeah, well, we'd have to have money to buy new things, so... It was kind of like when you guys went to Sothis, that I wanted to take some time to actually explore the setting, because you spent two entire books in a desert. Yep. 
Mm. Yeah, and nice actually getting to like see places and see things was kind of a nice change. Yeah, well, and I think this is also interesting because of the contrast in going into the parched dunes and there's nothing, right? It's like you found some cool hills or you found like some rock formations or something like you can't really do a lot with it. Whereas like going along the Crook River, you get to see all these different types of, you know, people doing fishing and farming and, you know, mining and this, that and the other. Like it felt a lot more alive as we were going, even though you were like, we're reaching near the edge of civilization. Yeah, I guess the only thing that you guys did kind of miss is... Uh... Again, not even from the book, I made some, because uh, I mentioned something about you guys stopping towards the end of the night, you need to stop and it's near a fishing village. And I think I threw in there comments like, yeah, you could stop in and have food or something. It's like, oh, we're not going to go and eat their stupid peasant fish. We've got, you know, a magnificent mansion. I wanted to have a chance to showcase like kind of a parallel with, you know, Citra's poor upbringing and actually having like, these are the people you're fighting for kind of moment. And it's like, no, we're two, we're gods amongst men. Just <laughs> yeah, we are. Wherever we want to go. I, I was going to say These Overland peasants. Journeys with Mage's Magnificent Mansion is basically I was actually going to have Masika go, but then nobody else wanted to. So I was just like, I won't waste the time. Citra wanted to go. <laughs> like, I was the one like, hey, I, you know, I think we should probably go to the city. And then y'all were just like, mansion. And I was like, okay. Yeah, Masika is not a big fan of that mansion. She'd rather be sleeping outside. Well, you can sleep outside if you want to. I like the safety of my mansion. Well, the spell does not mean that we couldn't have explored the city, though. It's true. And also it's weird because, like, we're kind of rushing right now. There are literally pyramids hiding, like, in the clouds above cities. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, at a certain a certain point, yes, if we delay too long, like, they'll start raining down laser beams or whatever it is that they, you know, these pyramids have to attack with. That's part of the reason I was bringing up, like, buying and selling stuff, where it's, you know, this is a necessary, like, oh, okay, we need to stock up on holy water, or we need to do something like that while we're there. And that's always the thing with uh, overland travels, you eventually have to rest. And then yeah. sometimes that mandate say, you know, we've got to stop in this small fishing village. Let's have an opportunity to meet some of these small fishing village people. It's also it like as a as a GM, you just have to sometimes prep some stuff just in case. And that's like one of those like just in case things. It's like just in case they stop, I should have something ready for them. Well, it just always reminds me of the the idea of it gets into the idea of like destroying the world. If you're doing something where you say that the threat is the world gets destroyed, that's kind of too big for people. Yeah. You can't really wrap your head around the idea of, oh, the entire world's going to be destroyed. And even something like, oh, well, this this will be devastating for the entire nation of Osirian. But then if you can humanize it in a, well, there's just this one group of people. Uh, it takes me back to the Watchmen, not the movie, but the comic series. And there's the two people, I think they're both named Bernie. One runs the comic book shop and one's the kid that's going to the comic book shop. And that while they're exploring the idea of these gods amongst men, these the watchmen, you keep going back to the story to see like this is the on the street level view. And then at the end, spoiler alert, if you haven't read a 30 year old comic series or watched, I think at least a 15 year old movie. God, is it really 15 years since that movie came out? Oh my God. There's a nuclear explosion. And I think it might, they might've made it into the movie, even though they included nothing else with that storyline, but it's in the comic books where there's all these people that can't see the big, you know, they're, they're like, oh, we're on this godlike level. But then when the nuclear explosion happens, old man Bernie tries to shelter young Bernie with his body. Mm. And it's that moment that like really reinforces the, no, there are regular people, even if you're saying, oh, there's a nuclear explosion that blew up New York. If you just throw that out, there's no impact. Mm -hmm. But if it's, oh, and also it killed these two people that we've made you care about now. That's where the impact comes from. 
Well, I mean, we have a lot of people like that that we've met, like the giants and all the tribes people, Masika's husband. I never miss an opportunity to reinforce it. <laughs> yeah. It is also the like the importance of making a character that fits in that setting because like it's this was a setting where if you come in and like Hollis for instance comes comes in and has been here for a while but if you had just come like I this is my first day in Osirian and oh, yeah. all this stuff's going to be bad eh, do you really care as much as somebody who's mm-hmm. like a native of the country probably not yep yeah I mean, again, I don't fault you guys for using a spell. That's the whole purpose of the spell. And I wouldn't have faulted you guys if it had just been, well, we go back to Sothis, we look up a you know depiction of the slave trenches someone drew from 50 years ago, and then I use that as a focus to teleport us. Man, I should Like, I wouldn't that. have faulted you guys for it. <laughs> well, yeah, should, no, see, I liked using the boat because... Yeah, the boat it, was cool. We, had, we also went to extreme effort to get that boat, if you remember, because Narmer had mm. to go into the thing and make way too many checks to get it. So That's true. Like, there we, were a lot of checks. We didn't do crap. Norma did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. Heather when had to roll a bunch of the dice. Boat, he just has the box inside of his little chest cavity, and it's like a little sarcophagus for Stinger Jr. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna come out of this, and Armor somehow gonna have gotten class levels in like Druid, and have a, you know, Stinger Jr. is gonna be his uh, his animal companion. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Stinger's just an awakened scorpion <laughs> with his own class levels. <laughs> class levels and fighter. Um, okay, so anyway, we ended that episode. Uh, we went and talked to the lizard folk. We got a cool. actually surprising amount of information about um, Tefnaju, as well as the name now escapes me because it was really hard to pronounce. The bird. Ken. The birdkin. <laughs> The, the giant, giant rock in the sky. Rock that's been manipulated by air magic. That's and we were literally uh, told oh, yeah. if you see a storm run because it just <laughs> apparently has a storm around it. Yeah, Kinjitret. The Dusk Taker. The, the Dusk Taker. As a fun side note, the artwork for this thing is amazing. Did they actually set it out? Like, <laughs> if we if wanted it's to mythic, fight it, could we? I'm not going to get anywhere near it. Oh, yeah. If it's mythic, though, we don't want to go anywhere near it because, yeah, it would be awful. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got a smidge of mythic in it. I'm going to say... Uh, Hey, if it's a smidge, it might be not enough that we have to be mythic to fight it. Wrath of the Righteous was the adventure path that came out before Mummy's Mask. Mm. The one that was just before it. So the mythic rules were still like the new hot stuff. Ah, okay. Interesting. I don't want to mess with anything that has mythic levels. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, in general, bad idea. Agreed. At least until you hit level 20. Then what else are you going to fight? <laughs> but uh, we had then... Uh, continued overland uh, till we finally actually found the Earthworks, aka Slave Trenches of Hakatep, uh, which I believe brought us to episode 164. Yeah, technically you went down in there in 163. You actually got all the way to the entrance of the... Uh, oh, that's true. The Tomb of Light. Oh, that's true. And then, so we... Let's see, we went Lantern down. Uh, we had Masika get a weird vibe and then mm-hmm. discovered the likelihood that vibe. there's... a bunch of trapped elementals and who knows what else. It's literally a slave trench. Uh, mm-hmm. In more ways than one. Makes me really sad. Oh, we forgot to ask um, Tefnaju if we, there was a way to activate it. Well, he wouldn't know. Never mind. I was going to say yeah, if there's a way to activate it without killing everything inside. But... Mm. I mean, the thing well, has to have a massive power source. I, I'm betting that there's probably not. Well, we don't actually know if it kills them because it's been activated before. Yeah. It has not been activated, though. Okay, anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. 
It has, just for the aromancy part. Yeah, but we yeah. don't know if that uses the same power source yeah. or the same amount of power or how that aspect of it works compared to pulling something down. Yeah, which takes us into episode 164 where we went into the Lantern Vault. Love that yeah. name. Fun commentary. I did make a slight change, actually, to the, uh, the approach oh, really? to the Lantern Vault. In the book, it has written that the entrance to the Lantern Vault is constantly shrouded in darkness. Uh, and that there's like a permanent deeper darkness effect on the entrance, basically as an aesthetic boundary between the outer world and the vault within and all the rest of that. I decided not to go with that because the the image of walking down this path and having this like spotlight, this watchtower beam of light streaming down the path, I felt it was just kind of too iconic of a an image Yeah. not to leave it in. It also would have been weird because I think it would have put us on like supreme edge and like you kind of want to have this thing where like, you walk into it and it's not super scary until like you see the traps. Cause I felt yeah. like it was one of those things like we we saw the first trap and we're like, holy cow. Like we were literally like 10, what, 10 feet in? And the yeah. first trap was and, seen. Yeah. And that's so. kind of the, it's kind of the combination there where the idea is, okay, you'd have this thing and it's blacking that out. And to be perfectly honest, like I kind of wanted to skip over the 30 minute conversation of how you're going to go through that door. Because that's, that's what fair. it Also, yeah, been. that's a good point. Mm. <laughs> and trying to find it even. Well, and it's also like it'd be a 30 minute conversation of going through that door and then it would end up probably just trying to dispel it, even though yep. it just return after 1d4 rounds or whatever it is. But then it'd be Citra rushes in and then immediately spots the trap and then you guys have to run back out and then it'd be another conversation about it. Somebody was uh, actually very nice and let me know that I made a mistake recently. Oh, really? Um, it's a mistake that I've made a couple of times in the podcast, uh, which oh. is allowing dispel magic to dispel traps. Hmm. Uh, because Dispel Magic just suppresses traps for 1d4 rounds, and then they return. Ah, oh. uh, yes. Huh. Uh, it does not expressly state that in Dispel Magic, but apparently it expressly states that under a feat that lets you dispel it for a longer period of time in one of the other books. Oh, interesting. Yay, it's probably under the Magical Trap entry somewhere, too, but... That is the one thing about 2e, the book is way better organized. That is true. Yeah, <laughs> it is much clearer on what things can and can't do. Yes, but uh, so we had gone in, managed to disable the light trap, mm -hmm. which was kind of the first like thing I, I was like, holy cow, that is like mad genius level of uh, of trap making. Yeah. And uh, this 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 little mini dungeon has not disappointed in terms of mm -hmm. the like inventiveness of the traps. Yeah. Yeah, Michael Cortez does a really good job with that. And the Apparently lacerating lights is just kind of a neat thing. Lacerating lights. Oh, that's such a cool name yeah. for it. Good alliteration. Yeah. That's very nice. That's a 15d6 damage. So yeah, I was going to say it's an obscene. force damage. Ow. Yeah, obscene <laughs> amounts of damage. Uh, we had then jumped to the side to look at the weird um, the battery. It's a floating battery. disc. <laughs> the little mm -hmm. button battery. And I'm, I'm betting the onk is the lantern. And once we get it, we're going to have to charge it before it'll hold the light or whatever it has to hold for the next step. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe it's a yeah. literal onk. Maybe it's a literal lantern. Who knows? Mm -mm. And knows. on the uh, the subject of you guys disabling that, it was part of the reason I asked a couple of times between disabling and bypassing the trap in the hallway is because I needed to know exactly whether or not Tefnaju was alerted. Because if you bypass it, Tefnaju isn't actually alerted to your presence yet. So does he... This that, that actually brings up an interesting question, and now that he's our friend, I can ask it. Um... Does he have some kind of like alarm sense or something that like he becomes aware of somebody like entering in? Alarm sense, no. 
but he is attuned to the elemental energies to this place, and all of the traps are also fueled by the elemental energies. Ah, okay. That makes okay. sense. So he kind of, he feels like a disturbance in the current. A disturbance in the force. If you guys had messed with any of the obelisks or anything like that, he could have sensed it as well. Interesting. And now, well, I'm just kind of getting ahead of ourselves, but now he can tell us which obelisk is which so we don't have to run all over this place like crazy people when it comes if to that If he knows part. those deities. <laughs> I was going to say, he's, he several times mentioned the fact that he does not know our religion and doesn't care. So yeah, I'm but pretty sure he doesn't that he even would know, know that kind of stuff about the place. Yeah, I don't know. It depends. He was pretty arrogant. He was probably like, I don't care. But he has been he... here a long time, so maybe he's, you know, taking the time to get to know his... And he can read Ancient of Syriani. Yeah. I was going to say, he can read it, so if nothing else, he could sound it out. Maybe he got bored and read everything. Could be. Maybe. I still suspect we're probably going to have to, like, explore and at least, like, mark where we need to go. And then he can just take us there. Bam, 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 bam. Mm-hmm. I am curious also about how he just takes us places, but we'll cover that whenever we can talk to him again. But uh, sure. we did we did finally make it through the uh, the lacerating light corridor. I love that. Uh, to find another room, which Citra had determined had some illusory pit traps. That was so funny. Don't get ahead of ourselves. And then we, uh, what, what was it? We had Hollis go forward and test to see if she could make the, uh, the guardians attack us. And the one thing I didn't do was stick my head across the threshold. Yes, which then, which then we thought everything was fine and we weren't going to trigger it because they were only triggering whenever we like went and kind of poked at the illusions. So we sent an armor ahead and then all heck broke loose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's just a, a, that's a good really small it. room with a bunch of pits. It's not ideal for fighting huge freaking golems. Well, it's also we no. didn't know where the pits were because it's a yeah. it's a what 30 foot wide room. And well, Citra knew where two long. of them were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'd only found two of them. We didn't know how many others there were. So it was one of those like, uh, well, uh, and we were just too scared to get in there. Mm-hmm. And we also, if I remember correctly, we were also thinking they'll get bottlenecked and then we'll just take them out. No big deal. That was you. <laughs> I'm sure that wasn't a overrun. Nobody expects overrun. Okay, yeah, because no, one, nobody, nobody expects did. overrun. But that was your like, oh, we'll just bottleneck them in the hallway. It'll be fine. And we were all like, yeah. Uh, and, then, and then, okay, this is one of those interesting moments though where like, Constructs don't technically have an intelligence score, but they can act very intelligently because overrunning was yeah. genius. It's like programming almost. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, oh, I see that there's people in my way. I'm just going to ignore them by running over them. Yeah. It's always the curious thing when you have something with a nil intelligence because it literally just has a dash for its intelligence. Yeah. And so, which they kind of define as being insect level intelligence. But at the same time, sometimes insects are very clever. I mean, there's nothing oh, yeah. stopping a trapdoor spider from doing trapdoor spider things. You know, I just kind of looked at it and went, its goal is to get to blank. How can it get to blank? Yeah. Overrun. <laughs> I, I also appreciated the uh, one, the single minded focus, which was pretty interesting in weirdly targeting Narmer because that was a, one of those like, we, it's a risk every time you send Narmer out, but it's never really backfired like that. And so, like, seeing it just kind of blow up in our faces is like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, mm. will we ever do that again? What's but here? the other thing that was he's interesting is... He's been a couple of times. I yeah, mean, he's been but It's when Narmer can stealth. Narmer's stealth is obscene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, no I think you even pointed out, it's like, well, this is a brightly lit room with no cover. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was... If only I had levels of Shadow Dancer. <laughs> oh, man. That would have been 
That'd be weird because they also, I think it's a shadow familiar with that or something. He needs shadow, to get like sir, special something. like chameleon-like plating. I just oh, need to get the obscene amount of money for a ring of invisibility. Slap it on a flipper. <laughs> but uh, it was also the interesting thing was like, we were like, okay, we'll bottleneck them. And then they did the overrun. We're like, I was like, okay, that's that's smart. And then they start throwing those spears. Yep. And I was just like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Because like, get out of here. Nobody expects yep. returning spears on on constructs. <laughs> like, nope. that is such we an amazing move. It such really an amazing felt move. like Michael Cortez like play tested this with his gaming group and then ran into a problem and went, eh, screw it, I'll just give him returning spears. Yes, yeah. yes. Is yeah, what it felt like to me. <laughs> because I think he I think he play tested this and they did exactly what we tried to do and bottlenecked them and he was like, I don't uh -huh. like that. <laughs> He's like, how do I solve this problem? Returning spears. It, it's yep. genius. It was absolutely genius because we like at that point like I was panicking. I was like, we have to get out of here, but we're bottlenecked yep. and it was all that. And like it was, it was the and perfect moment for us to just have to like nope out of there with the dimension door. You gotta run and, away sometimes. And I I will as always applaud y'all because this is something this is something that we'd received commentary on before for the podcast. You don't hear people running away often in actual play podcasts. It's yep. a lot of like, oh, well, yeah. we've, we've dedicated ourselves to this fight, so we fight to the death now. Nope, run away. Nah. Time and place, and this was not the right time and place for us to do this battle. <laughs> well, in the, in the fight to the death, it doesn't make sense, even usually in like a literary sense. Like if you look at most stories, heroes have to run sometimes. I mean, mm -hmm. look at any of the Star Wars or most of the Harry Potters or every other episode of Avatar. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, it's like up. Oh, now we run for our lives. Yeah, you, gotta <laughs> you know, be in y'all's cases, it's usually like once, once every other book or so. Well, it's one of those things. It's like if it had been two of them, we might have been able to take them. But you know, but when lot. it's all four of them, it's like yeah. Ugh. Well, it's when they. It, it was the overrun when he got to the other side, and that's we were true. Also, that yeah, the overrun was really bad. Was like, uh, uh. Yeah, because we probably could have danced our way around the pits and made something work, but. Being in that hallway between the two of them, no, because with I can't two more do behind them throwing spears to, extremely to accurately, really yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So we noped out of there, um, bringing us to the conclusion of episode one sixty four. Well, we met with our us, new friend who may wanted to murder us a little bit at the beginning. With us, with us staring, staring, going, is he about to just destroy us? I was like, chains of light. That's what I'm going to cast on him. I mean. Sudi would have just gotten big and started punching, I guess. Well, I know, but I was like, okay, do. that's what I'm going to do. And then thankfully, but we didn't have to Knowing do what we know now, a challenge rating 17, that, no, no matter what, oh. what we have done. Yeah. So, okay, so here's well. a question for Rick. On the uh, on the graveyard, uh, on the forums, how many people have TPK'd because they yeah. just assumed he was hostile? <laughs> I don't really know. I didn't see a lot for him because the, the baseline assumption is he's not even necessarily violent when he shows up. Like, he oh, okay. always gives people a chance to talk. If you're too evasive, then he just assumes that you're up to no good. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, we went for full honesty in this one. We were just like, nah, like, we just we just need to be straight up. Well, who's this guy going <laughs> to tell? Yeah. But there's a lot of things where, like, you know, since he does have a meld with stone and earth glide and all sorts of other abilities, when, when you're combining that with being a magus, it kind of talks about how he takes advantage of that. Well, I would if I yeah. was him. Yep. Yeah, where yeah. he does a lot of like, if he's able to more or less fighting people one on one, and you know his he's lawful neutral, so like he accepts surrender. He'll just you know that's why a lot of people have managed to like run into this guy and tell the story later, 
Where it's just like, oh yeah, he killed a few of us that wouldn't back down, but the moment we threw down our weapons, he's like, okay, get out of here. <laughs> Run for your lives. Also, tell your friends. Make oh, sure everyone yeah. knows not to come here. Yeah. Well, and from his conversation, he didn't like as much as his background is. I'm a fighter and and you know destructive magic and all of that. Like he kind of didn't seem like he really wants to be keep fighting people now. Well, he's been he's had a long time to think about his life choices. Yeah. yeah. He was like, you know, in my 2000s, I was really, you know, arrogant and you know, kind of uppity and everything. But now that I'm in my 8,000s, I've slowed down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> also, we learned that the Nahamra clan is here. Hmm? Yeah. That, that was, was an interesting revelation. Episode 165. Uh, yeah. Sure. Apparently, my great ancestor is just here collecting the souls of the rest of my family. Just the ones that grave robbed, probably. Or do something. Yeah, we don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Depends on what the curse is. Yeah, because be we still don't know like when the curse was placed or how. I want to talk to your grandpa. Yeah. Your, your I mean, great, great grandpa will know. The last you saw of Nahamra was just him getting banished. Yeah, so uh, Citra's about to go have a family reunion. <laughs> so. But uh, yeah, I, I, I do appreciate when there is a call it overpowered potential opponent and it's you get the chance to negotiate because uh I, I, it was one of those things like i like me personally i had been thinking like tefnaju he's another shaitan like it's gonna possibly be a repeat of um oh gosh what was her name the other shaitan that we yeah fought i, I remember yeah it was too it's been too long and it was gonna be sad because like sudi's got this weird thing where it's like you can meld into stone i can meld into stone we could be friends and we are friends now. And now yeah. we are, and we it's have, great. We have a little truce going We're going to free him for vengeance against the Afrit. Oh, yeah. we're definitely going to free him because it's the right thing to do. What he does after the fact is cool, you know, well, as long as he's We in. also know that this has never been activated to fight the Shori, so yeah. was yeah, there ever even a, weird... a war with the Shori? Or, or was, was it, it just all... rebel groups? Yeah, stuff? was it just them? All he said was, yeah, there were some raids on the border, but as far as I know, there was never a war. Well, which... he would know if they activated this place. Nahamra will know. There's also another possibility. I won't say whether or not this was the case either, but it could have easily been a, a case of mutually assured destruction. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. It's like, I don't necessarily need to blow this up. I just need you to know that I have this. Yeah. Yeah. And the which only is also why it... it has a huge, like, visible sigil from the sky <laughs> to be like, warning, this the can F do bad sigil? things to you. And the yeah. only time it's been activated is to raise the pyramids. Yep. So it's also like, I guess, that central power source for the pyramids, because I know when we were in the the one that was over Wati, we had heard it was like streaming that energy from somewhere else. I thought it was streaming the energy from the from Hakatep's pyramid. You believe they was streaming it from the central pyramid? Yeah. That's what we thought, but was it? Yeah. Either that or this is more like a jump start. Oh, it's like maybe. They'll, they'll, they'll yeah. keep going on their own once they're up in the air, but you know, you kind of have to you get like... start them. They yeah. have to get them moving for the alternator to take over and keep it going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Funny, it's kind of funny that you bring up the whole thing with him being a shaitan and all the rest of that, because I remember, um, I don't know if it made it into the episode or not. I think it was post-episode uh, 164, Jessica was mentioning about the Graven Guardians. It was like, these can't be like the Graven Guardians that we fought before. And I was like, oh, no, they've got like extra hit die and all the rest of that stuff. They're like advanced template ones. Yeah, and it's it's that same thing where you're just like, oh, well, it's a Graven Guardian. Well, we fought them before. Oh, wait, no, these have advanced templates. It's the same thing with this, yeah. like, oh, it's a shaitan. But we don't know how many levels this... This yeah. one has armor and a giant oh, yeah. axe. Yeah, this yeah. one has ma magus levels. Um, 
13 levels of Magus, actually, now that you're wow. his friend, I'll let you know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. He's got a magic truth axe, too. So, so yeah, he I would be like just that. as skilled as a Magus in your actual party would be Ooh. at this level. Wow. With also all the cool things of being a Shaitan. True. Hey. That's rad. We should be friends with him. And the really cool axe of the Imperative. Which is Dude, fun. that axe yeah. is so but she, cool. Masika still has the mark. He hasn't dismissed it. She still can't lie to him. It's true. Well, that's yes. fine. We're not I really don't looking think we're to lie. intending to, so that's okay. I mean, but yeah. he's going to remove that mark before we lift off any or drop down any yeah. pyramids because, you know, just kindness. I don't like people having things hanging over people. Oh, yep. I mean, it's it's simple enough. You just can't lie to him. You lie to anybody yeah, else. Yeah, but nobody should be able to control that about like that's messed up. I don't like it. He can't use the ability again while it's already on somebody. So if he's going to go off to fight the Afrit. Yeah. Yep. So he'll probably dismiss it on his own, but. Oh my gosh, I just realized you could you could, you could could really mess somebody up with that by just saying, don't take another breath. Like if you're in yep. the middle of combat, just slice somebody, don't take another breath, wait like 30 seconds well, or whatever. Well, no, because I don't think you can because it functions like command and you can't command people to do something that would be harmful to themselves. Oh, okay. Which is why like you can tell people not to set foot somewhere or not to attack something, but you can't command them to like go jump off a cliff. Oh, you okay, didn't jump off a cliff. Okay. okay, you take the damage. Okay, so there's some limitation on that ability. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, still. That's still a really rad axe. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, yeah, and then you guys uh, went back in, played around with the invisible floor some. I do appreciate <laughs> that the, uh, the pit trap is the only way to actually keep going. First, okay, yeah. I that was like a total mad lab move because nobody would ever think we should just jump in the pit. I thought it. Um, I was going to say, just Jessica it. did think just of it. Just thought about it and it sounded insane, but it was right. In the middle of the fight, no, but if you'd fought the golems and then got there and it was a dead end and... Eventually. There's nowhere else to go, yeah. right? Yeah, I just it's thought like, I wasn't well, making it. If you kind of like take a step back and think about Chisisek, it sounds like something he would suggest, you know, because it is kind of off the wall and out of the box, you know, way to go about it. And so it's kind of like, yeah, that but makes sense. I think sense. this was the Hakatep area of traps. I just assume they worked together on stuff. I mean, Chisisek was the architect of this place. Probably a happy accident. They were probably digging this place out. They hit the cave and they were like, perfect. We can make a trap out of that. Those two are good friends. Yep. I think it was, I mean, it's not like one part is exclusively Hakatep, but one part's exclusively Chisisek. Yeah. (laughs) I drew a big line through the center of the slave (laughs) trenches. Like, this is my half. (laughs) I mean, Chisisek was the architect, so. Yeah. (laughs) Just like, I've got a great new idea. Is it more constructs? It's more constructs. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say if we don't if we don't face a single construct in this, it's gonna be disappointing. The golems are already there. Oh no, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm just imagining like Hakatep sitting in his throne room and uh set comes running in. It's like I've made an amazing new invention. It's like, okay, he sets down this little bird, this glass of water, and it starts like dunking its beak in. Hakatep's like, what else does it do? Nope, nope, that's it. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Also, if you throw it, it explodes. Well, you know. Yeah, but we like had gone. We had descended down into the natural cavern, uh, explored our way around through a very narrow um, crevice. I guess I don't know what the correct term for passage. Fissure, fissure maybe. Um, yeah, I think a fissure's is a fissure open aired at the a, top. I think it is. I'm yep. just gonna call it a passage. It's anyway, a tunnel. Pass- it's a yeah, tunnel. the, the natural tunnel. natural tunnel. Wasn't that, well, it was secret, I guess, technically secret speaking. Secret tunnel. There it is. 
Um, before we'd come to a crossroads, we had decided to go to the uh, right side, which was the yeah, because none of us have side. escape artists to get through there. <laughs> Not great escape uh, artist, anyway. I do. I mean, the rogue's probably gonna be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say I've, I've got one whole rank in escape artist. I've got no ranks. I, Masika has that nifty vest, but it only works so many times per day. So. But we had uh, come upon three skeletons in surprisingly mm-hmm. good condition. And uh, the glowing green fire lichen. Well, Rick described two of them as holding each other with smashed skulls, and then another one a little bit further away with near a big, rock. A, big, a big rock, rock next to it. So I feel like there was a murder that happened here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe a double murder. A double skull smashing <laughs> murder. Maybe. Jordan's like, the look on Jordan's face is like, I did not put that together. <laughs> no, I sure is. That's because you don't listen to enough true crime podcasts. Uh, that's not a requirement because I think no, Jessica was the no, first yeah. one to react to it. That, She's is, like, just, oh. that is just my, AD, my together, ADD brain not working properly. Yeah. I was already writing down, yeah, murder down Rick here. Rick did describe murder. it as rock or head-sized head rock. Head-sized rock. rock, yeah. Was he making people's rock heads out of rock? Like <laughs> the, the, the elemental undead doodads? Like, did it have a rock head? And then I was like, no, that's silly. Must have been murder. <laughs> yeah. Goodness. And then that the guy who murdered them still died down here. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that guy. Well, to be fair, it's pretty easy <gasps> what if that's to just the be like. Ooh, could be. Maybe. But yeah, it's pretty easy to be like, you just like, oh, we finished our construction. That rope, not coming back down. Later, and then just like fly into the sky. I guess to eat them. Yeah, cannibalism. Oh, maybe. But then you leave them cuddling each other? You kill them in their sleep. And then you leave them there cuddling while you just dissect them (laughs) and eat their flesh. And then you just die with the rock? Maybe he thought it was a touching scene and he put them back together after he was done drawing on their bones. Something killed all of them, and maybe it's the hunt. I mean, I think the guy killed the, the couple and then the guy died maybe because of the haunt. I don't know. Something weird's happening. We're going to find out because Masika's the lichen started moving and grooving. going to have to cast legend on this wall and be like, what happened? I need what to know. I need to know. I must write it in my journal. <laughs> this, this clearly is a legend. You have to tell me all about it and risk going to be like, no, it's not. Or that thing that's not a legend. The thing that's like... It's not a legend because nobody knows about it. <laughs> the world's most boring detective thing where it's just mm. like, haha, yes, I'm a detective. Okay, well, what do you deduce? I'm going to cast this spell and then I'll know exactly what happened. <laughs> That's not deducing anything. <laughs> do you want to know or not? <laughs> I think that was one of my few complaints in uh, in 1E. Minor tangent here. One of my few complaints in 1E as far as classes are concerned is the fact that the investigator gets a whole bunch of abilities that, that make it so you don't have to investigate. Yes. <laughs> or it's yes, just like, here's a whole bunch of divination stuff for the investigator. I will say my investigator didn't have any of that. Oh, well, yeah, you had a gun. <laughs> oh, yeah, you gave that up for a gun. What I like about the investigator so much in 2E is that the investigator in 2E focuses a lot on giving you abilities to find clues and then make deductions with them, but not just like, I cast a blood biography and I can immediately tell, you know, exactly who the murder victim is (laughs) without finding a body. So, and maybe you guys will figure out the, uh, the secret murder that happened down here after you trigger the haunt. Secret uh, murder. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, obviously no one ever knew about it, so it was a secret murder. Mm-hmm. 6,000 years murder. they've been waiting down here for someone to solve their murder. Nice. They've gotten really impatient, which is why they're going to haunt you and make you beat each other's heads in with rocks. See? Mm. Or whatever's going to happen. Who knows? I do. Narmer already has a rock to which he can beat <laughs> with. Rocky, no! <laughs> <laughs> Can't control myself. This is what you were made for! <laughs> Shooty run! <laughs> <laughs> Meld with a stone, become one with the lichen, lichen man. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Sudi could just do that and be like, nope. Sudi's uh. like, I'm out. Y'all handle this. So, so he just says, 
Wake me when when this is done, and just melts into stone. He does that Homer Simpson into the bushes thing. Yes, he's Homer Simpson <laughs> into the bushes. It's actually yes. a really good short story that's about a lichen man. Mm. Anyway, of course, there, there. Check that off the list, everybody. Rick makes a reference to something in a book. Yep, that's I'll right. put it in the uh, the show notes. <laughs> oh oh man, gosh. somebody should make bingo cards for each of us that they listen for in after parties and shows, like. Rachel's always going to make a 90s reference. So like on Rachel's bingo card, one of the boxes is 90s reference or whatever. <laughs> That's the free space. That'd be really cool. No, you just get the free space for free. Yeah, I mean, if fine. you wanted to get real specific, it's like, okay, is she going to make like a Buffy reference or like water an world. animated it's water world. World reference? <laughs> Ghostbusters. I was going to say the Ghostbusters cartoon is one of the most common ones. We got a lot of cats. I do love the Ghostbusters cartoon. Every, every one of us has uh, a cat has appears. Things. We all have things that we... Do. It's because my dad recorded an eight-hour video of Ghostbusters <laughs> off the television, and my brother and I used to just watch it on repeat. I think they all get edited out, but one of those could have been Rachel saying, my dad blank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My dad recorded a lot off the television. <laughs> Rachel says television instead of TV. I've always noticed that. but Yeah, she yeah. does. I yeah. didn't. Realize I, I did that. All of us need it. Need one in the unedited version. That is, we lead. We lead a tangent. Yep. Because <laughs> all yeah, of us are tangent. guilty of, of running off on a different tangent. It's true. It's usually me. It's usually hitting the editing room floor too. We left off with a cliffhanger of what this haunt is going to do to all of you. I'm yep. going to use my healing hex on it. Well, good for you. I'm going to make a will. <laughs> the rest save. of us will meld into stone and do whatever uh, your rogue Citra can haunt stab ability it. is. Yeah, yeah Citra has. Yeah. I'm going to make a will save and maybe magic missile it. I don't know. You can't magic missile a haunt. I don't know. I feel like I can try. You're going to magic <laughs> missile the darkness. I magic missile the darkness. <laughs> it hits unerringly. I mean, <laughs> it would work if it's incorporeal, but I don't think it works on haunts. <laughs> Jordan, do we have emails? I was going to say, we're going long. <laughs> it does lead into one, we're going super long, but it does lead into our emails. We have wonderful emails from around the world. First email, Mike from Poughkeepsie. Ah, you mean Mike from Kentargo. Yes. Who we've already cast as Mike from Kentargo. See Tyrant's Grasp. You'll see we the whole conversation. <laughs> if, if you're listening, Mike, check also with Tyrant's Grasp because you might be on that one also. <laughs> Mike from Kentargo says, as I type this, it's two days past my 50th birthday. Cool. That Aww, makes happy 30 birthday. Happy belated yes, birthday, happy Mike. Happy birthday. That makes 38 years and two days since I got the big red box as a gift and began playing RPGs. Awesome. Cool. Yep. Oh, sick. Nice. Somebody was my, really cool to 12-year-old you. Yeah. Uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> also, good quick math by Rick. It, that's what Rick does. Rick yeah. does do good quick math. My current group has been together for about 15 years. That's amazing. Nice. Wow. That is wow. awesome. Getting a good gaming yeah. group is worth its weight in gold. How long have we been playing? Seven? Seven, yeah. seven eight, eight years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this this gang was since 2013. So yeah. about eight years. Eight years, yeah. Yeah, eight. eight. Okay. Close anyway. to going on close to 20 years that I've been playing games with Heather. Yeah, we should buy ourselves a 10th anniversary vacation <laughs> gift. We should. Oh, you want to do the game in a castle thing? I was going to say, game Singer. in a castle, or I still want to go to that live action, like D&D park in Utah. I don't really want to have to Goodness. ask. I, I want to be comfy, but castles are cool. <laughs> Singer. Anyway. Singer's Anyways, nice. uh, so he uh, continues. We switched to Pathfinder when D&D went to fourth edition. Same. Same here. Yep. I tend to be the off-the-rails player in the group, which yes. I guess makes you Jess. Yes, welcome. <laughs> the Jess of the group. It's very fun. <laughs> 
Our GM has to th try and think of stupid stuff Mike will do and prepare best he can for it. There you go. <laughs> Happily, like your group, we are all best of friends, first and an RPG group second. Cool. Oh. Nice. Aww. That is the best the way type of RPG it. group you can find. That is yeah. the way to do it. I'm hard-pressed to think of a character that wasn't mine or an NPC I, I enjoyed more than Narmer in parentheses. <laughs> Narmor? Narmer. Uh, he has Narmor written here like Narmor of the Deep. Uh, uh, could be. Yeah, I think Narmor is spelled with an E-R. It is E-R, and he has it O-R as well with the question mark. <laughs> so. Namor. Oh. Namor. Yeah. Yeah, Thank know. you. Spelling is irrelevant. <laughs> it's two owls under a house. Uh, Fair yep. enough. With this in mind, my question is, what are some of your favorite characters or NPCs that were played by someone else? Hmm. Hmm. Throw out one, of which only Heather is familiar with, actually. Uh-oh. This was uh, when I the first time that I ran through Rise of the Rune Lords back in the day, and Heather and Ross were part of this group, and Ross played his Rainbow Wizard, which was an elven wizard who took every form of like prismatic and or like color spray, anything color related spells. And she was scared of bees. And she was afraid of bees. Like oh, it was a whole thing character. in her backstory that she yeah. was terrified of bees. It's just such a fun character. I had a so yeah, I would say that that's uh, that's gonna be the first one I'll just throw out there. One of my favorite characters. There's a lot of really fun ones, but my one of my favorites anyway is. Uh, we, when Jordan was GMing through like Packstone Pyramid and stuff, uh, Rick played an Inquisitor of Shalin, like, <laughs> of love. And it the was all like, of love. of love. And he had the worst taste. The thing was, it became this running trope of every time that Rick's PC liked another PC of an opposite gender, that other PC was definitely evil. Or and, NPC, and, yeah. and it was proven yeah. right or every NPC, time. Sorry, not 100% on, the, on these. Yeah. It was amazing. But that was really funny. I did my best to redeem them with the power of love. It never worked. <laughs> it didn't. It, it mostly did ended up with me going on profanely streaming rants and casting blistering invective and making people burst <laughs> Like you yep. do when you're in love. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So my... God, there's just so many uh, great ones. But one of my yeah. favorite characters uh, uh, that we've had in one of our adventures is uh, Theodora, which was ah, the yeah. investigator that um, Rachel had, I speaking played. of investigators. Um, who took the <laughs> took the gun thing and didn't have like bombs, but like she was the perfect <laughs> like yeah exactly like like trash talking know it all kind of character. But it was, was like funny. the one person that we just buffed like nobody's business. Yeah. Like it was all about how can we get as many buffs onto her so she can shoot her gun. Yeah, name <laughs> so, bullet, yeah. like sharing smite, like all the stuff. Yep. We could think the, there of. was there was an event in the fifth book because this is in Rise of the Rune Lords, but it was in the fifth book of Rise of the Rune Lords that we took a major fight and we just ended it in one shot because she critical, you know. With I it was like a, I yeah, it was the insane. record for like most damage done in a single round. It was Guns, like 210 man. or something. Because it was, you had like yeah. a smite and a name bullet and this, that. Yeah. It was like total, was like. A, yeah, and it was a critical hit. It was okay. insane. So it was like, it was a crazy character. Um, it was just a lot of interesting role play. So I liked that character a lot. Yeah, it was funny. This is, a, this is probably one of the hardest questions we've been asked. Yeah, I like. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so NPC would definitely be Lowry. As far yeah, as great. PCs go, I'm gonna pick Heather's former assassin oh, in yeah. our oh, Serpent's Hole game where hands-on adventure yes. time came from because her character and my character were playing strip poker when we were supposed to be prepping for a mission and then that all happens. broke loose and we had to fight without our pants on. 
and and I don't remember if it was Rick's character or mine, but one of us was like, you know, put your pants on. It's adventure time. <laughs> I think it was mine. I remember because I'm going to say that my Rick. halfling was hiding in a barrel while we were preparing for an ambush. So. Yeah. Yes, it was Rick's character. I, I'm yeah. gonna go with Rachel's changeling from uh, our oh, yeah, she's carrying crown game who refused to admit she was a changeling. <laughs> yeah. Unless we had absolute proof that she was in fact a I changeling. I even bought her a book about changelings and gave it to her in character, and she was just like, um, "No," and she put it away. Yeah, it's like we have absolute proof. We eventually ran into her hag mother that was like, "No, you're oh, yeah. my kid," yeah. and she's like, "No," and we're all like. <laughs> I have loving parents. <laughs> it's like, yeah, she's not your mom, and as in your mom, but you're a freaking changeling, and it was just yeah, she was she in pretty refused. epic levels of denial. True, true. It's just like, nah. That's pretty much her response every time. Was like, nah, yeah, nah. Yeah. That's pretty much her response. Ah, <laughs> uh, so good. Goodness. Yep. What we've learned from this is that my characters are nobody's favorites. <laughs> Mine either. Oh. We're the same. Oh. Sad I mean, I had surface. to think about it for a long time uh, to narrow it down. No, it's it's hard, honestly. Ah, uh-huh. uh, man. So Mike moves on and says, "Love all the podcasts. Thanks for company in the lonely back room at my job." You're welcome. Awesome. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm glad we give you company. Yeah. Thanks for having us along. I know. I know what it's like to be completely alone at your workplace. Mm. Goodness. Uh, our next email comes from Matt in Colorado Springs. Hey, I used to live there when I was a kid. Oh. Great vacation spot. Ooh, I'm it should told be I've been there before. Yes, Nidal. Make it Nidal. <laughs> Even though Colorado Springs probably would not be a Nidal. I think but Colorado Nidal. Springs is a nice place, but okay. It Another is. Person. I liked it there. <laughs> yeah. Another person from Penguin Town or whatever it is. Penguin Pangolius? Town? Pangolius. Pangolius. Penguin Town. <laughs> I love that. Just a bunch of goth penguins. I think you're trying to think pangolin. Pangolin. It's not the same thing as a penguin. Penguin. Pangolins look like little old men. Yes. Anyway, uh, so Matt writes, I'm a new podcast listener, and I just finished episode 54. Awesome. Good times. Well, this is episode 55 of After Parties. (laughs) Yes. Episode 54 was somewhere in the Dead City because we just gotten the Sudi reveal. Oh, man. He doesn't even know Hollis yet. Or Messiah. Or Normer. How are you listening to this? He will be eventually. Uh, He'll catch up eventually. Yep, yep. Uh, I've been jamming for about 15 years and playing for about 20 years. Wow. Awesome. Wow. Very nice. I've been playing for around 20 years. I GM'd once and it was not my thing, so. Rick's probably GM'd for 20 years then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. It's however long I've been playing is how long I've been GMing. So uh, (laughs) I think 20, I think 22 years now. Man world. Anyway, uh, Matt continues. I have run several adventure paths, though we only finished two. Still working on how to improve the modules, but my players hate them anyway, so it's hard to ru- to run them. Uh, After listening to you guys, I've started using some of your stuff too. Hmm. I was honestly pleasantly surprised at everyone's willingness to participate beyond just playing the character sheet. It's like pulling teeth with my players to get more than half-hearted <laughs> pop culture quotes and silly character traits. It's been wonderful uh, yes. to hear characters that sound like real people, even though the players aren't necessarily professional voice actors. Oh, we are far from professional. <laughs> I was going to say, we're still not professional. I hate to tell you, it's just <laughs> still amateur hour over here. <laughs> Technically, we are. So I, I've thought about that. I've thought about that. I don't I don't know what the criteria for professional is either. We get so. paid and we call ourselves professionals. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty yeah. sure that's the criteria. Right, it's like technically speaking, professional actors can be professional actors, even if they only do like walk-on roles in the background and have to work in a coffee shop in the interim. Yeah. So 
I mean, I'll go as far as to call myself a professional role player, but I'm definitely not a professional voice actor. <laughs> Vocal talent. I could say professional role player, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. anyway. Sorry. We got tangentially <laughs> you know, pulled. Uh, thank but, you for the compliment, though. Yes, thank you, Matt. Matt finishes, I look forward to hearing how you handled the research bits of the middle books. We do handle them. It's a, it, yeah. it's a lot. <laughs> but I think it went pretty smoothly. It actually it does go pretty smoothly, but it is one of those, like, I forget what the time we take five pages worth of stuff and made it into, like, 30 episodes or something like that. The research portion of that was pretty small. That was mostly you yeah. guys just making a check, me doing some, like, Sudi's climbing up the walls and grabbing books, and Onuris is scrolling through stuff down at the bottom, and Kabex over there t- steepling his fingers Being going evil. exactly as planned. <laughs> um. <laughs> Still salty about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Nothing hurts more than a friendship betrayal. Yeah. That's fair. That's why you just don't make friends. It's true. She says in the after party, after we just made a friend. I know, we made such a great friend. Surely he'll never betray us. Well, thank you, Matt, for writing in. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I'm glad to hear, you know, like as many struggles as it can be playing a game, especially if you're anticipating something different than what you're getting as far as like the other act or the other players are concerned, I almost said actors, the other players are concerned. As long as you and your friends are having fun, I don't think it really matters if you're getting you know Shakespeare out of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't get Shakespeare out of us. <laughs> but like Jess and I taught like middle schoolers how to play and like, did they role play well? Absolutely not. Did they have fun? You mm-hmm. bet. So yeah. the, the yeah. first rule is have fun. Like if, if it's more fun for you to make it a goofy setting then make it a goofy setting you know it's like heather and i used to play with a guy uh kevin and we had a lot of fun uh even though kevin quoted either the princess bride or monty python non-stop yep. oh. <laughs> but he was still a whole lot of fun to play with and we had a great time playing so that was all that really matters you know even even if i could go without hearing i'm not dead yet for the rest of my life <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness yeah. Oh, man. So our third email uh, comes from Jim in Donganhold. Hey, Jim. Ah, hi. Hey, FTP crew. Jim from hey. Donganhold, where all the dwarves have a Jersey accent. Following up <laughs> with my first email. <laughs> We're here for uh, this. He's, de- he's definitely written in before because that seems the kind of joke that we would have made. Yeah, it was. Yep. Uh, I appreciate all the answers from Rick that revolve around the GM side of things. You're First, welcome. I didn't realize that I put Rachel twice when I was praising the players. Halfway through <laughs> writing it, I decided to put the names in alphabetical order and forgot to check. However, <laughs> you are all worthy of extra praise, so I will balance it out. Jordan, you play Sudi amazingly. From being serious oh. and centered during the party downtime to the frantic teenager that reminds everyone his age at other times, it is great <laughs> to see such a wide range balance in just one character. Hopefully well. your dice luck will not kill you. Let's hope. <laughs> no problem. I love that there. everybody everybody's like, oh, I love how you play these characters. Please don't die. <laughs> Please don't die. Well, because we've proven that we kill things. People like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Die. Yeah. I was going to say we're, we're no holds bar podcast. But also yeah. everybody always assumes it's going to be me that dies. We'll no. see. We shall keep our kitty boy alive. <laughs> oh, goodness. So far, I've been spreading the love around, but we'll see. Yes. Second, I think you guys would be interested in hearing about the town I grew up in, especially if you think Freehold is a Galarian town. <laughs> it does sound like a Galarian town. It sounds like a made-up place. Yeah. It wait, wait, is he serious? Oh, he's from a place called Freehold? Because that's cool. That's a cool name. This is anyway. all coming back to me now. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, Jim continues, I grew up in a small Victorian beach town in New Jersey called Ocean Grove. I'm here for it. Let's go to Ocean Grove. Ocean Grove (laughs) sounds cool. Does it have Ocean Avenue on it? No, I want to live in Ocean Grove and there should be like (laughs) mangrove trees and stuff and like, I don't know. I'm just glad that somebody laughed at the uh, at the yellow card reference. I like yellow card. Uh, it is only one square mile. Oh, wow. Whoa. People pay to live in tents for the entire summer. It is also a dry town, so no alcohol oh, is allowed to be why? sold in Ocean Grove. Why do you want to stay in a tent all summer? Because it's such a, okay, it's a beach day. town where you can just be on the beach 24-7. Yeah. But sand. I don't, I don't like beaches. I mean, I love <laughs> beaches, but sand. Yeah. <laughs> Jim continues, third, I forgot to give my answer to favorite hybrid class and why I love the hunter and the animal aspect class feature. Hmm. I have normally Hmm. played a ranger or druid in RPGs, but they never felt right. The hunter was the class I always wanted. I hope Paizo brings something similar to second edition. Huh. Yeah, I mean, the hunter is much more focused than either of those other classes on having awesome animal guy that does cool things for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the aspect like feature is interesting um, when you remember it because I definitely played a hunter and forgot I had that <laughs> ability for an undisclosed amount of time. Jordan, who doesn't remember his class abilities, no one is surprised by this. This is also why people think <laughs> I'm going to die. I don't remember my class abilities. I have poor and dice yet you're luck. you're still here. And somehow I'm still here. <laughs> Rick, you got to try harder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Jim keep trying, continues. but you guys keep making healers to give him hit points again. <laughs> yeah. Everybody just needs to stop healing Sudi, apparently. Um, don't don't stop healing Sudi. He I won't healings. stop healing Sudi. Yay. Won't stop right. healing Sudi. Too, too many syllables. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Jim continues. Two quick questions. Mm-hmm. One, Rick. Is there something or someone you always include no matter what adventure path? For example, I always include at least one NPC that is reminiscent of my Pop-Pop. They normally don't play a big role, but I always want him to be a part of any stories I help tell. Oh, well, first off, I that's really that. sweet. First that's off, yeah. I love that. That's pretty adorable. That's amazing. Specifically, no. There is a character that I bring in sometimes, even if he's not necessarily supposed to be in a story. Uh, if I ever find a means by which to squeeze him in, which is I have added, at least on one occasion, the captain of the sunset ship to an adventure that he's not actually in. Oh, I love him. Yeah. Yes. uh, Which is a uh, a reoccurring denizen of Ling. I love him. Yeah, he's cool. We even saw him in uh, Curse the Crimson Throne when we were messing around with the deck of many things. He showed up. I don't think he was in that one either. It just happened no. to be you guys were messing it around. And got a we just really link. love that guy. And so he can show up whenever he wants with his dang, yeah. dang rubies yep. and his ship. Like, hey, guys. Oh, there's still like a book and a half. We might see him out in the middle of the desert. <laughs> <laughs> that actually dovetails wonderfully into our next uh, question for everyone. Is there anything you expected from the Mummy's Mask adventure path that didn't happen? The captain of the sunset ship. Really? <laughs> <Apparently>, yeah. <laughs> No, he just shows um, up like the merchant from Resident Evil 4. Yes. What are you buying? <laughs> That'd be really helpful. <laughs> Honestly, if it wasn't for Rick's Faded Tales and stuff, I was actually expecting, I guess he they mentioned Arlathotep briefly in the Sightless Sphinx stuff, but I was expecting kind of a more Cthulhu-y thing to show up at some point in the main AP, but Ooh. we got that in our side story. Maybe it will show up still. There are mm-hmm. additional books remaining. Well, yeah, book. That's true. Uh, mine is a really, really, really small thing, but I thought it would be really cool. 
if a sphinx like looked at my stone special stone and was like, hey, you're a living monolith. Cool, man. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I told you it's silly and stupid. I was like, it'd just be nice to be acknowledged that they recognize that living monoliths are a thing tied to sphinxes. And we're like, but you've only ever cool. hung out with one sphinx. Well, there's one more guy here that's a sphinx. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a, I guess I, yeah, I can talk to this other guy. <laughs> there's another sphinx around here somewhere. But it's a male I, sphinx, no, actually, and those tend to be the bad sphinxes. I was going <laughs> to say, I think we literally fought a hero sphinx, and I was like, hey, Correct hey, special stone. And he was just like, no, I kill you now. <laughs> yeah, he was not nice. Cool stone, bro. Let me rip it off your face. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so but angry. maybe it'll happen. I don't know what I was really expecting, so I think I don't really have an answer. Because all like, I mean, there's there desert, and there was, you know, Anubis, and there was There's cats. been mummies, and there's been masks. So, you Certainly know. there are masks. Lots of masks. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And sphinxes. We had yeah. riddles. We had traps. Mm -hmm. We did some tomb tomb exploration. See, my thing is I just always hope for like the elder mythos to like creep its way in. That's a heather excited. thing. You want every every adventure path to have elder mythos connections. I know, and eventually I want to play someone for, that follows an elder mythos deity, but it's hard. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say hard. if that is your if that is your desire as far as having Elder Mythos things in something, you're very rarely disappointed with Pathfinder. Mm -hmm. I know something's gonna wiggle its way in there. It is way more than I thought when I first started playing. I'm, I'm still holding out hope for uh, Hell's Rebels that something Cthulhu-y will show up there. But I mean, that's I Ultimate know. Chaos, right? Good <laughs> uh, happen. Sure. Right. I'm good so far. Like it's hitting all the points for me because I was like, does it have a lot of the stuff from the Mummy movie? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. It even had like a <laughs> swarm of scarabs. I know. I'm oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> God, don't uh, don't remind me of the swarm of scarabs. I just realized they almost killed us, didn't they? It was bad. We didn't like them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I actually, I'll, I'll throw out one thing that uh, I'd actually expected when I first started reading through it, and then it didn't happen. Which was uh, in book one, they referenced the fact that uh, Serethet finds the heart ball of uh, Hakatep underneath the spire of Askahod. And I actually expected later on there to be a subsec or subsection where you actually go to Sothis and do something in the adventure path as written. Oh, but you yeah. actually never go to Sothis oh, in the yeah. adventure path as written. Weird. It's a good point. So interesting. Maybe because it's explored so much in other, other things material. between, like yeah. yeah, that they're just like we don't need to retread the ground of Sothis. We can instead focus on the three cities. Mm -hmm. um, also, the fact that you never go to On, as like this party has never been to On. Yep. Oh, yeah. So it's like you have the three sister cities and then you never go to the biggest one. Are we ever going to meet the <laughs> Ruby Prince to be like, hey, we saved your nation? Yeah, it's going to be for the, um, you know, a new hope ending where you yes, guys walk exactly. down the <laughs> aisle. <laughs> and we all get a medal. Get a medal. Except for Narmer. Except, except for Sudi, because Sudi's the Chewie of the group. <laughs> uh, oh! I don't oh. think so. <laughs> He's got to wait for an entire other trilogy before he gets one. <laughs> I love the idea that we get there and we're like, we saved Osirian! And the Ruby Prince is going to be like, what? Mama Nafra knows. No medals for you. Yeah. <laughs> then Mama Nafra comes out and she's like, no, they, they, that's true. Your fairness, whatever the- Your fairness. Your highness, your excellency. I don't know what the proper yep. declension is for that. But anyway, Jim signs off. Keep up the great work in storytelling. God bless, Jim from Dong and Hold. Okay. Well, thank you, Jim. our best. Thanks, Jim. But with that, we conclude after party 55. And we're not going to cast uh, a legend? We're not going to cast Oh, no, we have to cast a legend. That's why I kept going. <sighs> and with I that. I forgot that's a thing we do here. Uh, so, Jordan, go ahead and bounce me uh, uh, 3d6. 3d6. I have exactly 3d6 in front of me. How nice. How portentous. That totals up to 10. 
Mmm. Mmm. It's gonna be an interesting one. Uh-oh. I feel it. I feel it in my bones. Today we're gonna be casting Old Mage Jatembe. <laughs> Ooh, nice. nice Old Mage Jatembe was a great wizard and folk hero of the people of the Mwangi Expanse. Through his, deeds, through his deeds and magical teaching, Jatembe brought the people of Garoon out of the barbarism of the Age of Anguish and on the path back to civilization. His followers continued spreading this knowledge long after he was gone, greatly influencing the magical traditions of countless cultures throughout Garoon and Abistan. Uh, he is one of Ga Galarian's most famous and influential figures. Uh, he rediscovered magic, uh, responsible for the creation of the uh, the Ten Magic Warriors, as well as the uh, Magambian School of Magic. Does he actually look like an old man? Because if he doesn't, mm. I already know who I'm casting. I know yeah, who I'm his casting. artwork has like a, a older man, bald head. Mm. I'm still going with who immediately popped into my head for this. Okay, I don't care. All right. I had about four pop in my head. I know so. me too. I think I know who I'm going with though. So I shall go first, I suppose. Yep. I'm gonna go with Morgan Freeman. Yeah, I knew you were. So good. Love his voice. He also does great documentaries. Seems like a very like, you know, teachy kind of a person. Also, it's Morgan Freeman. I have, Morgan I have no other Freeman case. Morgan Freeman is pretty cool. Morgan Freeman's but, a good choice. Yay, I did a good choice. Rachel mm. said so. Uh, I mean, a... it's Morgan freaking Freeman. How is he ever, <laughs> like he's always a good choice. He I'm so used to making bad choices. Choice. <laughs> I never get told I made a good choice. All right, who's All right. I'm gonna go with Idris Elba just because he uh, immediately ooh, popped nice. into my brain. Idris Elba one. is pretty rad, and he's getting yeah. older. He's got some salt and pepper going on. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's getting there. Yeah, I was like, I don't know why, but Rick said Old Mage Jatimbe, and that was immediately who I thought of. And I'm mm -hmm. like, yep, that's that's who I'm picking. I don't that's really have any other reasons besides that, but yeah, that's just what immediately popped into my head. I these were both thoughts, um, but at the end of the day, I decided that. Chewedle Ejifor oh, is who I was gonna go. I do love me a Chewedle. He's okay. kind of bookish in a way that, like, I feel like like people that start school should be. Who is that? Uh, what exactly is uh, he's he? The he's the agent in Serenity. I haven't watched Serenity. Um, what, what else has he been in? Okay, he was in Twelve <laughs> Years a Slave. Wait, 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 he's wait. In love Actually. Oh, okay. He's the one who marries uh, Kira Knightley. Oh, okay. There you go. He's in a lot of stuff. I know, but I was trying to think of what people would know. <laughs> well, he's also in The Martian. He's in Doctor Strange. He's in. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's in Doctor Strange. he was. Uh, he's Moro in Doctor Strange. <laughs> he's the mentor. Mm -hmm. yeah. He's uh, the voice of Scar, apparently, in the new Lion King. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I didn't say that. Mm. He's been in stuff, and he's a he's a cool he's a good yeah he's very very person. Cool. That's cool. Right. That's a cool pick. Rachie, I bounced around between several, but. I had to go with Keith David because mm. he just has this. Keith like, he, David he is Grotus. Is he? Yes. Oh, oh dang you didn't it. He's check the castings? Mm. <laughs> no. Then you can't go with him. He's already. I know it's been a while since we did this, but ooh. Dang it. All right. I did not realize he'd been picked for Grotus. Then I'm going to go for my second choice, which is uh, Danny Glover. <laughs> Danny Glover, nice. He's the too old, old for this. Older. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's too old for this. But he he has that kind of like mentorish quality. But he's also just kind of a funny guy. And I I just imagine old mage Jatembe sure. just like watching you know magic users try to do their thing, and he's just like, yeah, y'all keep trying. He can also <laughs> take out a predator, imagine. so you know. Yeah, yeah, hey, hey, yeah. There you go. I love him so much. That's a good choice go. too. Is that me? Yep. Yeah, yep. that's you. All right. So I'm gonna cast this. Actor doesn't necessarily look the part, but one 
absolutely love this actor. Two, the dude's like 60 years old, but does not look it. So technically in the age range for it, Lance Reddick. Uh, most people, you'll probably mostly know him as uh, he was the chief of the FBI in Fringe. He was the hotel manager in the front desk oh, in the John Wick series. Oh, yes. He has yeah, that amazing yeah. voice and delivery. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's one of the central characters in uh, the Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, he plays uh, Cyrus. Cyrus? Silence. Silence, that's what Silence. it is. And uh, he's just a handsome man, too. He is a very but, handsome yeah. man. Yeah, okay. Also, that, that voice. Like, I, I know he... Morgan Freeman's got a good voice, but this man... Mm, melt butter with that voice. Yeah. This is going to be an I, impossible yeah. casting. Yeah, good luck, y'all, because these are all good. Uh, as, these as are always, all solid. Go to the Reddit and vote. Let's so, Reddit. yes, we must Chibitle. unfortunately come to an end of this after party. Vote on the Reddit. Continue listening. Continue writing. I always love yep. to hear all the interesting questions you guys have, especially the ones that stump us. <laughs> and until next time, bye, Pathfolk. Bye, Pathfolk. Bye, everybody. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-da. Ba-da.